Hi, I'm Hannah. And I'm Kira. This is a BBC Sherlock podcast, where we are doing a Watsonian analysis of the show, Series 1 through 4. Whether you're initiated, a veteran fan, or just wondering why Series 4 was like that, we have you covered. Listen to our discussion as we play the great game. Today we're going to go over the first episode, finally. We're going to do an episode-by-episode breakdown or a deep dive, I guess, into each one. So today we're doing a study in pink, which is the first episode that is basically the same thing as the unaired pilot that we talked about in the last episode, but we're actually going to go into the scenes that weren't in the pilot and then how this episode has changed in comparison to the pilot and what this whole episode does for the whole show as a five-act narrative. So that'll be fun. I'm curious, what, what Kira, what, where does this episode rank for you? You don't have to say like a, a definitive number, but if you were to put it up with oh, certain man. ones. I wouldn't say it's my favorite. No. Um, I would say maybe number four or five. I know it's really not up there, but that's mostly because I, I just have to, it, just in my mind, I have to put certain episodes like just yeah. I think it's so definitely too. very good and a very important episode. And mm-hmm. also because I've seen it so many times, there's also that sort of aspect of it. Like, oh, I'm a little sick of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the case aspects of it are definitely older. And there's always a nostalgia for the first episode that even though we're past it, I think I still go back to it, though. Because it's before all of the the hard stuff. It was the mm-hmm. easy days while yeah. it wasn't even all that easy. <laughs> <laughs> It uh, it was so it was so optimistic. Really, um, it really was, and but it does so much for the rest of the show that I can't help but go back to it. It's definitely in my top five. I think maybe I don't know if I would definitely say that though. I haven't really thought about it in too specifically, but it's it's up there. But I wouldn't say it's like the top lying detective scandal or definitely maybe even the final problem i'm not sure i don't know i don't like i don't like ranking them or even putting them on the same level because so many of them do such different things but this is definitely my homey episode the one that i i like comfort watch (laughs) i know i've said that a lot but it is it's my comfort watch i've seen it so many times I'm a masochist. I feel like I comfort watch them uh, emotionally. Oh my god. (laughs) Like which ones? (laughs) Again, like The Lying Detective and A Scandal. But uh, Okay, Scandal. I love them so much. (sighs) Scandal's so good, though, that that's definitely, in a weird way, that's my comfort episode. But that's about as far as I can get into the masochistic level. (laughs) of watch it or you know what i mean like i know what you mean like where you're kind of you need to feel something so you need Mm -hmm. to get the angst there and i think that's definitely my go-to there's it's also really fun and funny and and lying detective just makes me sad (laughs) i know for me comfort is like feeling things and enjoying like the the emotion um but i i guess if i were to say like the most um uncontroversial I guess I wouldn't say uncontroversial but like the most neutral episode for me at least that gives me the most comfort if I want to feel like more neutral is the final problem oh yeah because 
I feel nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel some things, but it's like it's positive feelings because I'm I understand what it means. Yes, yeah. but also there's that element of everything that happens in it. I know I'm not like I just don't feel connected to the surface level of it. Right, you're connected to the puzzle of it. Yeah, so much so that it's enjoyable to me. Like I don't yeah. feel like stressed. I feel, yeah, I feel the same. I don't think I really rewatch it. I think the only reason why I don't rewatch as a go-to comfort watch those episodes is because I would start spiraling into I have so many thoughts and I need to share all of them. Whereas I think for me, a comfort watch is something where I can not turn my brain off, but still just kind of watch it knowing comfortable with no feeling comfortable with how I interpret it and not like spiraling (laughs) you know what I mean yeah I guess so I guess for me though I I don't watch Sherlock to be comforted I don't either (laughs) though I don't either but but we we all have to have those like we can't be at a 10 all the time I can't I I have to be a 10 all the time if I'm watching Sherlock if I if I want to watch something and not be at a 10 I watch something else (laughs) I don't know. I, I think I'm still there with you. I just, I don't know. I think, personally, I know a lot of people, they do the same thing where it's like, oh, the Hounds of Baskerville is my comfort episode. Or like, I, that, mm-hmm. I just, I can't do that with Sherlock. It's not, it's not a show that I watch for comfort. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a show I watch to spiral and lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I don't rewatch season three. Because there's a lot of fun stuff in series three that... I can see it being someone's comfort watch, but I also can't do that with that season anymore. I don't think there's anything about season three that's comfort. <laughs> no, I, well, I, I before series four, I rewatched The Empty Hairs the most because it it feels slightly more its own thing compared to the to the rest. The rest, it, of it. yeah, I guess so. It's less like angsty, intense, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's still I just kind of enjoy watching. I just do like the characters, I guess. And so I think there's moment times where I want to be with the characters and like their emotional journey over mm. just getting at the whole overarching puzzle. You know what I mean? I feel you. Yeah. I think that's what it is, really. It's not. It's less about having fun because I can wa- watch Scandal by Gravia, and I'm not turning my brain off for that. That's not like a. I, I just want to watch them go on this fun little adventure. Like there's so much to that episode, but I I like sitting with the characters. Cause I think every episode is even the more slightly filler ones. There's stuff there to know about the characters, and so that's kind of what I like to focus on the the most okay, when I'm not on a. Um, yeah (laughs) that makes sense Uh, yeah i think so i think okay i I think if anything for me like uh the great game would be like that because i just think it's a really good episode it's just from like a casual perspective it's got like really good like um mysteries and yeah and and it's good pacing Mm -hmm. versus the blind banker which is i think it suffers (laughs) from that it doesn't have that no. Anyway, this episode, though, what do you think from the most basic element? I think that this episode is from, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what other people think about the show in terms of like a case, because there's just the one case versus the great game where he, they're, they're solving multiple. It's like just the one big puzzle, but there's a lot of moments in between that like break up the big mystery that will tie into it later. Like, like the moment with Minecraft, for example. That scene has nothing really to do with um, the case itself. 
and I think it's a good balance. It's there's it's a balanced episode, but I don't I can't imagine watching this episode and thinking that you're watching the show just about the case because <laughs> they do so much outside of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of character building and a lot of uh, you know getting to know the characters. It's it's very much this focus on these characters, and you know mm-hmm. the show sort of starts off with John. Yeah, which is um, why people don't like series three. If they're more, if they're in it for the cases, they don't care about series three as much because yeah. if you're only watching it for that, you're going to be disappointed. Exactly, because it sort yeah. of goes more into that sort of drama aspect, where mm-hmm. it's it's more about these characters and their relationships um, than it is about the cases. Yeah, which I think Study in Pink it does a good job of setting the tone. Where they are interested in having the cases, because that's what we're there for, obviously. That's what Sherlock's going to do. But they do a good job of balancing it and giving John stuff to do. Which is why I think that the fact that they got the 90 minutes and were able to bring Mycroft in, and also having Mark Gatiss in, adds so much for me. I think it really benefits the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does a really good job with the world building. and And I like the... The sub, not subverting, but that they changed the element of um, a study in Scarlet. It's not about, it wasn't about like um, getting revenge, but more leading to you about like the the name had met was Rachel. And it's not about this guy going out for revenge, but they switched it because at the end we get the line about how, um, like how he's not bitter. Love is a more vicious motivator. And he knows it's about his kids and so they're subverting it in that way and instead of them just being murders they're framed as if they're suicides or we know that they're murders but there's it's such a heavy theme in this episode which i was a genius point to throw in the first episode for these characters and i think i should have brought this up before we we started but i can't remember wasn't there something about Mark Gatiss before he was working on the show? He did or maybe still does work a lot with, um, like, suicide prevention among, mm-hmm. like... Yes, yes. He used to run or he had some sort of position running a um, LGBT um, switchboard, like, hotline mm. uh, for, for people who feel... It wasn't... I don't know if it was necessarily a suicide hotline, but... It was for, you know, LGBT, you know, kids or, or people who feel that they're stuck in a situation. Yeah. They don't have anyone to talk to. Mm-hmm. So that was something that he did. I forget what it was called, but he definitely yeah. did run something like that. I think it just speaks to how that is important to him mm-hmm. that they put that in the first episode. And I think they did a really good job with the 90 minutes. They saw that they had a good opportunity and they expanded upon it because we had the basic concept of the murder-suicide, um, John going to therapy, but they were able to really hit home with it in a setting pink, like the actual aired episode, in a broader way, not just in like little moments. Because we talked, or I talked about the unaired pilot, there was a lot of individual moments where John would be more emotional um, or more obvious because they had to for sake of time. But I think even though we lost that, I think they did a better job with building that theme and like characterization into the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They definitely played it more subtle. 
And I think mm-hmm. the subtlety definitely paid off in a, in a really big way. Um, it, it's much more convincing mm-hmm. um, when it's more subtle. And it makes me think of how sort of they've mentioned that Martin Freeman changed some of the lines and, and did it with a look instead. So he would, yeah. instead of saying a thing, he would sort of act, act that. Mm-hmm. And I think that was also a part of the subtlety as well. Do you remember what line it was or what moment it was? It was the moment in the, it where um, they're at the flat and uh, John mentions that he looked up Sherlock's website yeah. and then, oh, and then he is like, right. and then John, Sherlock's like, what did you think? And John just like gives him Looked a look. at him? Yeah, she's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, yeah. Yeah. A part of it, I think, is so, thank God, that, because they were able to film the pilot and then sit away, like have that be in a year later where they got to revisit the episode after they already filmed The Great Game and Blind Banker, I think. And they did this one last, if I recall correctly. And so they got to have all that time between to really get to know the characters. And so they just nail it in in this version because you know it's like their best. Mm -hmm. Because they're not newbies at it. They know what they're doing. Yeah, they're more acquainted with the characters. I think that's a really good way to put it. Like Because they did film uh, season one backwards. And in a way that sort of... they're filming an episode first that establish that's already has these established characters and you know they go back to the beginning with this sort of more rounded understanding of of the characters that they're playing and i think it really does show yeah i love that for multiple reasons okay let's talk about the actual show i st- let's i have some notes on like the opening scene but I feel like we kind of talked about it last time. Um, the one point I wanted to make was, okay, so A, he wakes up from a nightmare. And I love that they establish him not just sitting in his apartment alone, but that he wakes up from his nightmare and he lays on, on his bed. Because this dude is never laying in bed in, in waking up in a happy way. He's always waking up from a nightmare or upset about something yeah it's never a good thing when we see john in bed no um it's never good no and i think we're gonna get more of that (laughs) we already see some of it in the inline detective but also Mm -hmm. even aj and the six thatchers well yeah there's like him laying in bed but he's only he's only ever awake Mm -hmm. and He's like the texting and having the affair, emotional affair. Yeah. So there's that. Yes. So. so it's not necessarily a pleasant scene, but the moment in his last vow, of course, is a big one. We do see him sleeping happily um, next to Sherlock on the stairs. On the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> so is that. Mm, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then there's also, which I guess it doesn't count, but I'm counting it anyway. Mm-hmm. AJ in Six Satchers is, he's not laying down, but he's next to a bed. I don't know. I'm counting it. I'm counting it. Because I think it, it there's a, there's a, the idea of like the room, um, like Jennifer Wilson is in a room at the top of the stairs. And then 
AJ isn't in that room alone and then um, seek my room, which we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that <laughs> whole idea. And then we never see John's room in 221B. In no, and that I think that gives way more weight to the whole uh, uh, save my soul, seek my room from yeah. the final problem. So there's Ooh. just a lot about John's room. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I just love that that's the first thing we get. I think it's um, it's because it establishes so much of his character that we can then that they can call back to later. I love how that's a running <laughs> theme with the, it is, yeah. the fandom. And I'm just thinking of that, was it Arwell, uh, he tweeted out a photo of uh, Jonathan Harker from Dracula's room. And he was like, Jonathan, not John's room. And <laughs> stop it. Don't play stop. with it. Yes. Okay. Um, oh, and then we get, of course, we get the moment with the gun in the drawer. What would we do without that moment? Where would we be? <sighs> it's so important. And uh, it. It never we, we can never say it enough, but it is important to point out to to Americans specifically uh-huh. that moment. I don't remember. I feel like we've talked about this before. Did you know what that moment was hinting at when you first watched it? Because I didn't get it. I didn't like immediately ping. But I was also young, so I was like, Wait, "What woman?" Moment. Sorry. Oh, what? Oh, the moment with the gun. Yeah, when he opens the it? drawer. You mean what, like, my first impression of it was? Yeah, like what your first I thought was. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't, I don't, remember. I don't <laughs> either, but I know that I didn't think anything of it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, like, like, I don't think I thought of anything. I don't think I thought anything of it either. Again, I, I mean, I wasn't, I was 22. It's not like I was, mm. you know, a kid, I guess, but I just, I didn't really fully, I wasn't, like, I wasn't tapped into it. I was just like, this is a fun show that I'm watching. And oh, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. About it. Yeah. I was, like, 17, so I... I wasn't like tapped into the the thematic. I wasn't looking. I wasn't. I didn't know how to to watch a show and think of it as a story, um, as either. art. I guess I was just watching it for entertainment. But I do think it's worth noting, though, that a lot of people say that, um, who are from the UK that 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 moment hits harder for them or it throws them off. I guess it uh, functions differently because he opens the door and you're like, "Why does he have a gun?" <laughs> what it's it's more jarring jarring which we are oh, yeah, okay. in america you know yeah. everybody has guns so it's like yeah. oh just not oh he's you know oh he, he's a military guy he's just got a gun he's thinking about the war that's what i'm thinking like, maybe he too. misses the war or he's like he doesn't like looking at it so he keeps it in a drawer like i don't know yeah. that's kind of like what i would think yeah because in america people just have guns you know, yeah. I, I would make people would be like, you should just get a gun. Just go and get a gun so, you, you know, like, so you can walk home safe from work. And, like, <laughs> that's just, like, what people do here. But, yeah, in, in the UK and other countries, they don't do that. So yeah, it's really it's hard. It's more an obvious yeah. sign of potential suicidality, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And he's taking it out, looking at it, putting and then closing the door. Right? It's, it's, it's like... It's almost like um, it's a little corner of his mind where he's checking in on it, thinking about it closing it like it's there but he's not he's trying not to think about it you know mm-hmm. yeah and it's also uh, just a signal to the audience yes yeah you know pay attention to to this yes there is a, there is there is weight put to it regardless mm-hmm. um and i did notice of course they were 
they had more time, so they took their time when they have the scene with him and Ella, the therapist, where she's taking notes. And he, I forget where, how the conversation got to that point. But I, he was like, um, oh, wait, no, I don't remember what he says. But she said, oh, well, and you read my handwriting upside down. Or no, he, he said, you just wrote, still has trust issues. And he, mm. she's like, exactly. Like, that's my down. point. <laughs> you see my point? Like, that's why. Because you just, and you read it, and you read my handwriting upside down. Like, you're really trying to figure out what I'm writing because you don't trust me. And I think that's a, a big character moment because it really, where would we be without, if he didn't have trust issues, we wouldn't be where we are. He wouldn't be his character. And like, that's just such a big, important character um, establishment. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad that they got to put that in there because yeah. he doesn't have, he has trust issues. He can't yeah, open up to his therapist. It's like, there's no point. Therapy does not work for him because he can't work through certain things. He probably doesn't go enough, but... Yeah, yeah. This is this is the kind of character that's not going to verbally tell you what is going on with him, and you know, this I think will get into what happens in in series four. That mm-hmm. he he sort of setting us up as this is a character who doesn't like to talk about these kinds of things, and yeah, and he says it even in the empty mm-hmm. hearse. You, I, I'm not good with this sort of stuff. <laughs> He's yeah, not exactly. Like way more so than Sherlock. Like we all kind of think Sherlock yeah. is this like closed off person, and uh-huh. he is like in his own way. But yes. John is just more so, and yeah, it's not as obvious because he just seems like this very like ordinary guy. Yeah. Um, deceptively ordinary Mm -hmm. that's that that's the facade though that he has to work through and ironically even though Sherlock is like represses his feelings he feels them so strongly and he actually in a way is more in touch with his emotions he understands his own emotions better than John understands his own or he can he can talk about them something I always notice about Sherlock and I love how it's subtle because people don't notice it and the way they do it is subtle, but I think Sherlock cries at least once every episode. Yeah. I don't know how much of that is him and how much of that is Ben, or maybe it's just Ben's really good. And so he's tapping into that in the, in, in character and just can yeah. do it more. Yeah. Maybe. But I mean, there are moments where he is, I mean, he is actually crying though. Yeah, and like yeah. people still are surprised that like they think he's unemotional, but he's like, Actually, legitimately crying. Actually crying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even if he doesn't have tears running down his face, he's still tearing up. Like, he's visibly emotional. Physical yeah. reaction. Yeah. He yeah, cry- yeah, he cries, and I think, pretty obviously, in the Reckonback Ball and a few to- a few times. Yes, and notably, when he's going through the, the, not deduction, he's explaining everything to Anderson, we see basically the same thing. But the only difference in is the moments that are the most emotional are either different or they're cut out or they're breezed past. There's not a, we're, we're completely lacking emotional context in there. And it's just focusing on the how, how he did it. And there's no emotion involved, which is telling, which is why people aren't satisfied with that explanation. Which um, that's a whole nother conversation. Okay. Yeah. Let's move forward to another addition to this version of the story. We're still not introduced to Sherlock. They're holding off and they jump into the cold open. And they do that by establishing the first three victims. 
of the case that they're going to be working on today. And then they have my favorite underappreciated slight minor character, mirror character is the purple shirt lady, <laughs> whose name uh-huh. I think is Helen, technically. I think I got that from some from the transcript, though. Hmm. But anyway, she's in the beginning on the phone, and then it establishes that the first victim is a guy mm-hmm. getting in a cab. Because the driver wasn't able to pick him up and they're on the phone and we don't know that they're having an affair. But the fact that she like whispers that she loves him on the phone Mm. and then he gets in the cab and then later we find out that they were having an affair. It's more obvious later when his his wife is giving the The speech and it's not her. And she's sort of in the background crying, you know, hiding. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very uh, heavily implied. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the first one, and then yes, and second then one is the guy, is the, this, the guy with the umbrella, the guy who doesn't want to share an umbrella, doesn't want to and, share an umbrella. Yeah, and this is interesting because it's not in the episode, but in the deleted scenes, the guy who's who's asking to share an umbrella, he says it's not gay. So there's this like that. Did you just have a realization? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just forgot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. realize anything I knew, but I didn't know that that was part of it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's it's it was the deleted scene where the the guy says, you know, it's not gay sharing, and then he's like, no, I just need, let me just go get the umbrella. I'm just gonna go. Oh my it's, god. It's just at my mom's house, and then Ooh. and then he he gets taken away, and he gets he gets killed. Yes. Whew. And then the next one is Beth Davenport, who we are we see her face on a little poster. So there's like a party for her, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly yeah. what it is. I think it's a birthday uh, party. Yeah. And much that's interesting for thinking about Blind Detective. There's an element <laughs> there's an yeah. element there with birthdays. Birthdays and there's an irony there with like a birthday and people die on their birthday, you know. No, I think you know what I think it is just a party. It doesn't say. It's just, yeah, I don't think it's yeah. her birthday either. It I would have to party. go back and look. I I, w- I think I saw it and just thought birthday or party of some sort. But I know that <laughs> it is her face on the. We do see her face on the board, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a party for her. Yeah, it could be. It could be any number of reasons. But her, some people that work with her or that are friends with her, take her keys presume you know which is a good thing you should do that for your friends in real life that are drunk they take her keys so that she can't drive because they know that she's drunk and will try to drive home um but unfortunately this doesn't work for her because then she has to get a cab home and then that's when you know she gets picked up by the murderer Mm -hmm. and then we get because we had two more cases the first one was like sir jeffrey patterson so the I think that's the name, right? He was a sir. Like, he's obviously a more prominent figure in the nobility, whatever his title is officially. I don't, I wouldn't know, but um, that's their, the wife is giving a speech to the public. And then the next two people, we just see like um, a newspaper reel. And then it's after the third one that people are starting to question whether that this is serial suicides, but they can't figure out why that would ever happen. And then that's when we get the scene with um, Lestrade and Sally with the, and the reporter. Yeah. And, the, and, the, um, and Sherlock starts to send everybody text messages. Yeah. And wrong. this is where we're almost introduced to Sherlock for the first time, because we know that it's him texting everyone. And our almost introduction to him is him texting all the media 
reporters there and telling them that they're all wrong, which I love. <laughs> it's so good. He does it multiple times. And then eventually they just, they avoid questions because they don't, they don't know the answer. And so they walk away. And I love that Sally says, you got to stop him because he's making us look like idiots. And he, I love this. This is why I love Lestrade because he doesn't have an ego. Because he says, well, if you can tell me how he does it, I'll stop him. But he, we don't know how he does it. So clearly, what can we do? Because he's better than us. And he just, he's he doesn't have that ego, which I, even though he can be kind of a quote unquote idiot, we still love him because he's one, he's a, he's still a friend, you know? He's still a good yeah, guy. I like him. He's just a good, good guy. He's just yeah. a good guy. He's just a silly guy that doesn't know what he's doing, but he wants to. <laughs> so he like, he's, he's like, John, if John had way less issues, <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like <laughs> he doesn't have, he doesn't have a problem asking for help, which is uh-huh. the exact opposite of John. John has every problem asking for help, but Lestrade doesn't. So true. They definitely foil. They they foil each other in a way. I do think John is cleverer than Lestrade too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Not to say that no Lestrade offense. is a total idiot. No offense. <laughs> no offense. Yeah. But yeah, he doesn't have an ego. So I just like him a lot because it's just so different than both Sally and Anderson and Dimmick, I guess later, sort of, but not really. Oh, but yeah. but it's implied that the rest of everyone that works there thinks the same way that they do. Just not Lestrade. Yeah, he, um, he, kinda, he puts up with them and, and you know, he, yeah. he kind of gets Sherlock in a way that mm-hmm. other people don't. Yeah. And they've known each other for five years. Five I think years, that's what yeah. he says later. He, he's known him for five years, which is wild. But at that point, he's just like, he's he's resigned, you know? Yeah, yeah. The love of such a good guy. He's just like, such a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is this going to turn into the We Love Lestrade episode? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what happened here? Appreciate. He doesn't get enough appreciation, though. So Yeah, we, we really don't talk about him much, so. We really don't. Okay, but I do have a note that's an outtake from the script, the, the, the original script, and I found mm-hmm. it from the script. It's like the master script, so the one that they had on set, and I don't know if, if they had a deleted scene and they got rid of it or if they – just never filmed it and decided not to do it because they were running out of time. I We don't know, but they had it in the script. Um, and it was right after that whole um, Sally and Lestrade are talking to each other. He walks into his office. He sees like a cigarette, I think, on his desk and knows that Sherlock left it there for him. So he goes, he grabs it and then takes it up to the roof. And then that's where we are Again, not quite introduced to Sherlock, but we're almost introduced to him because in the script it says that we see, well, we really just, the camera's focused on Lestrade or it's supposed to be, and he's talking to him and it describes a silhouette of Sherlock. So we maybe see him in the distance. We don't, we see an outline of him standing on the edge of the roof, but we don't actually see him, like his face, Mm -hmm. just the back of him. And this is an obvious um, call, not callback, but like foreshadowing that at this point they already knew what they were planning with the Reykjavik fall. Cause he's already standing on the roof and, but it established it, if they had filmed this, um, it would have really hit home Sherlock where he is emotionally. And a part of me kind of wishes that they could have left this in, but I haven't, 
I don't know how I feel about it because this is where, I mean, from a plot perspective, they don't need it because it, all it does other than the emotional part is where he says, all right, well, what am I getting wrong? And he says they were all in random locations that meant nothing to them and that, that they didn't leave a note. And so if it was a suicide, they would have left a note. And he says, um, that's not how I'd kill myself. And that's where in, in the script, Lestrade pauses and looks over at him and is like, huh, you're a little close to the edge of the roof there. But he says, um, so how have you uh, been doing lately? <laughs> How's it going with you? Or whatever he says. He says, like, everything good? <laughs> because he can pick up on where Sherlock is at emotionally. And that leads me to, I don't know what Lestrade knows, but. He definitely can recognize that Sherlock is still a human, even if Sherlock pretends. So he kind of picks up on this facade. Oh, yeah. I think he definitely knows this, especially because he he knows he has a drug addiction, right? Yeah. And I think, I don't know if this is implied anywhere or if this is just something that I have made up in my mind, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's kind of implied that maybe... Lestrade took him on because Sherlock was an addict and he wanted to help him. Yeah. Like maybe he definitely knows. I mean, that's why he's at the, that's why he's there. That's why they, they, he had the, well, the later he had the the drugs bust because he knows. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we don't know to what extent, but it's possible. Yeah. It's a good, uh, it's a good theory. He also delivers that, that line, you know, Sherlock Holmes is a good man, but maybe one day he'll be a great one. Yeah. So, you know, he knows. He knows. He just, he, I think he is also mirroring John in a way that he, he's a foil for him, but also they're both kind of in the same boat where they know that he's more human than he lets on, but they still can't figure him out. Like they, they see it. They just don't understand why Mm -hmm. they can poke holes in it, but they just kind of go along with it. They don't question it too far. They question it, but not not to the point where they they would ever tell him like, yeah, whatever, You're, it's all an act. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. they wouldn't do that. I wish they would. Oh my god. And then in the show, separate from the outtake, then we're we jump back to John, who is not in Piccadilly Circus. He's walking through a random park on his cane, and I love that we can hear it. We can hear the cane as he's walking. Whereas in the pilot, it's just, he's really far away. And then he meets up with Mike Stanford. They bump into each other. They have this, you know, the conversation we're all familiar with. He's much less, um, I don't know. I wonder, this this is one of those scenes that makes me wonder what John was like before he went off to war. Because he's he's very um, standoffish and rude almost. He's really good at, like, putting on a facade of being ordinary. But he's... I go, like this is why he doesn't have friends. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, no, exactly. He 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 can only fake being ordinary and like everyone else to a certain I, point. Maybe maybe he was different at one point just because um John makes a a comment saying like I'm not the John Watson. Yeah. He, yeah. Part of that is like I do think he does have a lot of trauma from war. I think that's just a given, but I think this kind of goes I feel like we Put too much on that though because it's not until the scene with Mycroft where he's like you're not haunted by the war you miss it and I think that before it's just my headcanon I guess before he goes to war he probably was just a lot 
better and more practiced at pushing down certain sides of him and pretending to be like just like everyone else and just kind of going with the flow and um it's not until he goes to war and probably gets to be himself for the first time i think then he comes back and he's miserable there's a different social culture there that he probably is an aspect of it i don't think which is why it's perfect for him to be running around with sherlock because i do think that there's elements to war and him being an army doctor that what is traumatic to him but there's an element of it that he liked as well i think it's probably Mm -hmm. both but it's the constant um danger and having to like save people that are about to die that was maybe rough for him even though he was good at it but in when he gets to be with sherlock he gets to save people and do doctor things while also um not having it be so i don't know do you know what i'm saying i'm not sure if i'm articulating it right i'm just speculating so i'm not really sure i think i it's hard to say but i feel like the show kind of makes it clear that for him the war wasn't really traumatic it was something yeah it was it was a it was a positive experience and maybe he didn't have to deal with the same type of trauma Mm. however it is suggested that he you know he's he must have some because i don't think he would go back yeah and i think mostly because of you know what happens at the end of the episode when sherlock's like what would you say if right before you died and he's like please god let me live yeah and sherlock's like no 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 like really he's like like no be use your imagination and john's like like, i don't have to have to yeah so there has to have been yes I think that's kind of what it comes down to throughout the show is that it's kind of the same thing. Like he is at war, but I don't think that him dying in war would have like, it would have been like, really, this is, this is it. Like, this is how I die. It doesn't seem right to him. Whereas I think if he has a slightly better or greater purpose, he feels more strongly about it. You know what I'm saying? Then I, I I don't think he would view a death as being entirely um, as pointless in his mind because he's a very heroic maybe, guy. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, I think I think it's just like he likes being useful. Yeah, and when he feels useless, when he feels like he can't do anything or he has nothing to live for, that's kind of where he is in the beginning of studying people. Yeah, and mm-hmm. when he says nothing ever happens to me, and and he likes the danger. Mm-hmm. that's what makes him so fascinating that's why he's not the everyman character because he needs he's not an everyman he's not av- the average guy he's he's got he needs to have this crazy life yeah with a lot of action and and yeah. adventure and he is smart too because he is a doctor in this story just like he was in the original obviously but a doctor back then probably was a little bit different than we think of a doctor now. When we think of a doctor, we they're usually very, 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 very smart people. And I think that John is also not genius level, but definitely cleverer than like your Lestrade character. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's just not. Sure I think he's luck. surprisingly clever. Yeah, smarter than he looks. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and he right because but he's just constantly comparing himself to Sherlock. But mm-hmm. I think. Other than the danger is also one of the reasons why he finds Sherlock so refreshing when you get past like the the immediate impression of like, well, that was rude. <laughs> but I think I liked I liked it. I liked it. I kind of liked him. He was he was really arrogant and definitely rude, but 
He was charming. But he was like, so okay, great. Yeah. He was so clever. He likes, I think he likes that too. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah. I, I think John is genuinely among, he's he's smarter than the average person. He's just not smarter than Sherlock, but that doesn't mean, you know, I think he probably needs that like intellectual stimulation as well as the danger aspect to it, which is why it's like so enticing. He loves like the solving crimes. He's a smart guy who who likes run on sentences. (laughs) Me too, though. (laughs) Honestly, same. (laughs) Anyway. Okay, so we... Oh, I love that. So Mike is like, oh, that's fun, huh? Of course, because like they meet because Mike Stanford goes, you know what? That's weird because he thinks no one would want to share a flat with him. And this other guy I know also thinks that. So if both of them think that, then maybe they would be good together. Yeah, these two guys are, are both really off-putting. They yeah. Should probably, they Put should probably together. Uh, live together. <laughs> it should be interesting. It's like, even if they don't, this will be a fun conversation to watch. <laughs> and I so know, right? he brings <laughs> him to, yeah, so he brings him to, to Bart's hospital. So here, you're, um, you're one of the most off-putting people I know. Here's another really off-putting person. You'll love yeah. each other. <laughs> yes. And they do. <laughs> yes. And then we finally meet Sherlock for the first time and he is dun, 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 inverted yeah upside down <laughs> which um isn't an obvious callback but it is telling that the first time we see his face he zips open the bag and he's upside down like we see him from the the angle of the camera upside down mm-hmm. and yeah. invert if you remember from our Second episode, those who are, li- that are listening, the word invert gets was used a lot back in the day to refer to someone who, as a homosexual, without saying that, because they didn't necessarily use that word. So yeah. it is it is an interesting um, visual storytelling, so to say. And then we get the scene with Molly, and she, she he's totally oblivious to her asking him out, <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's he whips the body with the the riding crop, which is a lot. I know, and speaking of uh, him whipping the body with the riding crop, it makes me think of, I think it was Ben Stevenson, who's the commissioner of Sherlock. He talked about when they first, um, they had an audience, I guess, or like a, like, you know, like a test audience, look at the honored pilot and sort of make observations and what they thought they didn't like about it. Mm. And one of the uh, things that people said was they thought that him whipping the corpse made him look gay. Huh? And yet they did it anyway. They did it anyway. So they kept it. So Why is that so? I mean, I, that's okay. A weird thing to say, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I love that they were just like, uh, well, what, about, what about all that other stuff, like at the restaurant? And that's what you think is good. all right. Whatever, we're keeping that then. <laughs> um, okay, so then he goes. He he leaves, and then we get the finally get the scene of the meeting, and this time it's in a lab. And I, I won't get into the whole thing, but he immediately picks up on his psychosomatic limp. And then we get the whole conversation there. And he's his usual self, like seemingly kind of rude, but really he's just like blunt. And he's kind of just, he's already five steps ahead. He's not 
he can't make himself slow down. John is so shocked when he, you know, he hands him the phone and then he immediately is like, well, how does he know? He's immediately, he doesn't know what to think of him. And then when he finally explains how he's willing to move in with this guy that he's never met before and that he does actually know a lot about him and tells him where to go that whole deduction explanation scene is so fun to me I don't know why but I I like this one of them that I've kind of memorized where I can mouth the words along with the scene I don't know what it is about that I love it I think it's the way that Ben does the fast talking he can't talk fast enough because his brain works so fast I just love it it's so good. Oh, yeah, I know. And uh, it's so hard to emulate that, honestly, for me. Mm-hmm. Like, the fast talking. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he does it. He clearly has to rehearse it a lot. I think he does, like, mess up because he tries to do it. He does it on purpose. <laughs> so I think Ben, like, will have – I'm sure he has moments where he messes up and he has to redo it. Yeah, I remember hard. seeing somewhere that – Muffin Gatiss like wrote in the notes or in the script of one of the scenes. I think it was the the one from uh, the Hounds of Baskerville. They had the dialogue, and at the end, it was like an like a little note. It's like sorry, Ben, because <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot. Oh, a lot. I love it though. It's so good. So he finishes the the deduction, and I we kind of alluded to it earlier. Where later in the blog we see what his thoughts were on that where he's like he's he's really like public school and he's kind of rude and he's all these things blah, blah blah but he was strangely charming and so that really speaks to that moment where he like listens to all of that and then he leaves and then winks and then is gone and he's like what the heck but also i really liked it and why do i like it <laughs> but i th- but i think um it speaks to like when they're in the it, it definitely um, makes him more curious. He wants to know. He has to go because he needs to know how he knew all those things, like more in more detail. And so later we get him explaining how he was able to figure everything out from his phone. But John is so intrigued because he is that guy that has trust issues and thinks he's putting on a really good facade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here's this guy that, immediately knows all the stuff about him he doesn't he he doesn't have to tell him anything he just knows yes and i think there's something about that that john likes and it's kind of odd i think think it scares him but also he likes it though too because he's like he wants to share a flat with me and yet he knows all this about me what the heck i love that though and i I, it really gets me because i just remembered in breaking back fall when he there are on the phone he's about to quote unquote jump off the the building and he says no i know that this is true because you told me all those things about you know when when we first met because in his mind no one could ever know that about me when we first met Mm -hmm. yeah Oh, I, I researched you. No, you didn't. You can't possibly know that stuff. I mean, I guess he could, but not from his phone. I don't think all that yeah, stuff. No. Like, it's a bad lie. He's a he's lying very badly. But John never ever his faith never wavers. From that first moment, never. he knows. Like this guy knows what he's talking about. He's the real deal. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's something I wanted to note too about the the first meeting that they have. John goes into a little bit more detail in his blog post. He says that he was likable. Oh yeah, yeah, so strangely likable, like, right? Yeah. So despite all these supposed off-putting things that he just did, he finds him likable and charming. Yeah, they're cut from the same cloth. Yeah, he knows that this is like this is my person. Oh yeah. I also love how immediately people, like his friend is like accusing him of being gay on it. Like, oh, yeah. It's so funny. Oh, uh, well, this. Uh, like they can just man. see right through it. And also the fact that he says that throughout his blog up to up until that point, he's like, nothing ever happens to me. And then when this. Yeah, something show, happened. Like, something happened to me. <laughs> and it's yes. like, that, wow, like that. this is something happening to you. This, yes. It's so exciting. Like this, this person is like that. Right. Which you meet people all the time, but this is different. This is, this is something happening. Yes. Whew. And I think it's telling or not telling, but I think um, the people that watch the show and don't read the blogs are missing out. I wish that they could have, I, I wish it could have been, more popular than it is but then again this is kind of a show that really the end of the day is meant for like the the real Sherlockian fans the people that really like to dive in deep and get to know everything about Sherlock Holmes are the kind of people that are going to watch the show and read the blog which we do (laughs) yeah I think they kind of sort of made it for two audiences I guess there's like the people they want they they encourage people to to do deep diving and really think about what they're watching yeah um but it's also fun enough for people who don't want to think about it too much to to enjoy it yeah as well until series four anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, no. so i think some i think some people still i think some people still weirdly enough there's it's an interest it's interesting if people love love it or they absolutely hate it so it's fascinating yeah that's that's always um, very odd to me when people love it and they love it for the surface reading i don't trust i don't trust like that <laughs> no i don't yeah that's weird to me all right, so he leaves, and then we get them meeting at – he shows up to 221B the next day, I think, and then they – and then oh, immediately when they see each other, Sherlock is not, like, this rude guy at all. He sees him, hello, he smiles, shakes his hand. He's just, like, this very well-mannered guy he's in a way. really accommodating. Yeah. He goes up to show him the flat and then he's like, this could be really, this could be really good. And, and Sherlock's like, yeah, yeah, I think so. And he's like, yeah, I just got to clean up this mess a bit. And Sherlock's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll clean up for you. And yeah. like moves around. Yes. He is trying really hard because he really wants a friend. And that's like the only moment that we get because they do take out the moment, they take out this, the scene that hints at that he's also suicidal, which and to be to be fair, we do get that at the end of the episode with the the pills, but I think there's too much of that where him being suicidal is not as you can you can overlook it a little a little bit too easily because people mm-hmm. tend to think like if he's if he's suicidal, it's just that he's willing to risk it, not like actively, which I think I don't know. It's complicated, yeah, but the, in that moment, he it's it. If you were just watching it and thinking of that, you would think of he's just kind of on the spectrum of suicidal because he's willing to risk his life to get that challenge, that interesting, and not be bored. So that's that's what people focus on, though. They don't look at the other half of it. 
because he's very lonely he wants a friend oh yeah for sure and i think he just starts to recognize that john doesn't find him off-putting in the way that everyone else does yeah he just i mean he'll react in a way that's like weird like, where he's weirded yeah, out he's but he's like wait you, he's more surprised with yeah. that i didn't piss you off yeah <laughs> you like that nobody likes that nobody likes when i do this they think i'm weird they make fun of me and, mm-hmm. and there's this guy and he's not making fun of him and he thinks he's amazing and he thinks he's like really smart and yeah so that looks yeah it's like, like no oh ego God. no ego no so i wanted to highlight this moment too because we get a lot of of a little, a little bit of characterization like that relationship that he has with mrs hudson which is a very sweet one it's he has his moments or he's maybe not but i look i like their relationship too and then we get him look he's in he's in the window and he's looking outside and he sees that lestrade is there and he's and mrs hudson's talking about the murder suicides that there's the three of them exactly the same and he he's looking out the window and sees lestrade is there so he knows oh no 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 there's something different he's like a fourth there's been a fourth and something's different this time. And I always go back to that that line, which we can talk about later, but that's a big um, thematic like a motif. There's a, a huge motif of things happening in fives. And there's always something slightly different about the fourth time. Oh, yeah, for sure. He leaves. He goes with him. And then they go. They, we talk to Lestrade for a bit. That's where we get the good man great one line i think no that's later that's later in the episode that's later yeah and then they go out to the taxi and then that's when we find out everything about john from his phone and we learn about harry and who that is which did that character exist in the original stories yes really okay mm-hmm. yeah okay. harry was was john's brother Okay. And Sherlock deduced um, his brother oh, from right. his, his pocket watch. The pocket watch, of course, mm-hmm. yeah. I always forget about him, though, because he's not... Outside of that scene, he's not, like, an important character. Uh-uh. But we get in the show, there's so much... Where Harry's never there and is barely mentioned, and yet is always, like, to us, is looming in the background. Harry? Yeah, she is always. And that's 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 the other wonderful thing about how they changed Harry yes. to John's sister. Harriet. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. gives this brilliant moment where he can like correct him and because Sherlock, when, and they can have like, well you made an assumption based mm-hmm. on the And name. the assumption was mm-hmm. that his his sibling was straight. Right. Because because, they, because it, she had a wife. Right. right. Because it's Harry short for Harriet. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love that yep. you took that moment. And it hits different. It might hit different now. Because, but it's important to note that, that it's his sister's ex-wife or recently divorced. Because at the time that this episode was written and aired. Um, Gay marriage wasn't legal. Right. Mm-hmm. That's important. It's really nice to know that they've written a world where gay marriage was legal when it wasn't. Because they so. could. Mm-hmm. I, and I love that. I love that they took that opportunity. What's next? Oh, they go, of course, to the crime scene. And we get... The scene is so good. But we get introduced to Sally and Anderson, who don't like Sherlock at all. Sally, I would be surprised if we don't meet her again in Series 5. 
because that's a, a point that has to get some closure. And I think they weren't able to get her in for the final problem, but I'm glad that they did because then it would it would ruin the potential for having her in series five and oh, absolutely. bringing that to a, that little thread to a close. I think it would be really satisfying. That's just a hope though. I know. I, I, I was thinking about the two. I'm like, are they ever going to bring her back? I, I think that they might. I think that they might. Who knows? I think it depends on whether um, she's available. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely true. It's if of all the things to include, that's not like I wouldn't be horribly devastated to not have. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, but I it would agree. be it would be nice. Um, and then we we get to when they go inside. It's it's doesn't feel like it's important, but it it really hits when I think of I have, I have a note that just says his left bow stairs his left bow. I was writing it like scribbling it because I didn't have the time um, because we don't get a callback to this scene at all or this episode until his last bow. I think well we we get some callbacks like with John talking about like when we first met, but then it's not until we don't get a visual mm-hmm. representation of it until that moment. Um, and it's a huge callback because they do it twice in his last foul. They, when he's at the drug den, he's at the top of the stairs. And we see some stairs that could visually give you a reminder of that. But it's not until um, his mind palace where he's like almost dying that we get the spiral staircase that is the exact same thing. A callback to a study in pink or a callback to that specific scene? Um, study in pink. Oh, okay. There's actually a callback to a study in pink in... Um, the empty hearse. When John is about to go tell Mrs. Hudson that he's getting married, and he's really sad because he thinks Sherlock is dead, he looks at the stairwell, and he has a flashback. Yeah, of right. their first case together, and them like laughing and saying oh, that was oh, the most okay. ridiculous thing I've ever done, interwoven with Irene's Dang. theme. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Good. Okay. I can get with. That's cool. Because wow. that 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 moment kills me. <laughs> Yeah, but it's really that series three where we get it for the first time then, I guess, then. Because it's not really there. I mean, we get sort of at the end of the recommend call, but it's really not until series three we get that moment from John. And then from Sherlock's perspective, we get the stairs mm-hmm. in his last vow. And then, of course, everything about the, the abominable ride they got. They chose, of all things, they chose to reintroduce us to them meeting which didn't really have to happen (laughs) uh at all because the rest of the episode is like he's married so like it's in the future but they still went ahead and reintroduced us and i i'm well i love they did it but they didn't have to but i'm glad they did and i also (laughs) i also love the mention of of after uh, Sherlock wakes up in the plane, um, oh yeah, yeah, Mary you're reading. Like, oh, you're reading the the story of how you John. and John first met. Yes, like what she steals his phone and he's reading a study in pink. Exactly, yeah. Which is, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just gonna say that too. Like that's telling. Um, and then of course in the line detective, which I it's not the same because I don't read it like at a surface level, but I do think visually it's important for the audience to see that they're calling back to the study in pink again. Oh yeah. Well they do, they call back to the study in pink, both like sort of thematically. And they also do it very, very literally with the Sherlock looking at the cane and then having a flashback of John walking back alone. Which gives us a thematic view 
re-watching, like thinking back to a study in pink. Mm-hmm. Because we're, we know, because we're told explicitly that Faith is, um, that she's got, she's got a gun. And it's very heavily implied, if not explicitly implied, that she's suicidal. No, he says it. He says, like, mm, you're yeah. suicidal. You're suicidal. You deserve chips. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. He says that you're suicidal alone, strapped for cash. And then oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When he, when he's about to leave, that's when he has the, the flashback. But when he says it's oh, suicidal, okay. he's like, your handbag was too heavy because you have a gun in it. Yeah. For sure. Oh, so he knew. You're, you're, yeah, you're going out in tonight with no plan on how you're getting home and a gun. Mm-hmm. And I do think Sherlock knew at that point, which is why he invited him along with mm-hmm. him. And I mm-hmm. think John knows as well. But the show, separate from what the narrative is, is doing the work of showing the audience in no uncertain terms. If the, you didn't already know, by the way, we should be connecting this to John. And it's so important that they do that. I love that's like, it's such a critical moment, but it's important to understand that that's like the thread to everything undercurrent, the undercurrent to everything in Setting Pink. And mm-hmm. why he, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why he brings him along because all the reasons that are obvious, but one of them is that he comes back and invites him along because he's like, you know what? I want him to come. And also, Mm, he should probably should come with me too. There's a there's a complicated thought process there for sure. And then they go up to the stairs, and we get the same thing that we talked about with the pilot when they're deducing everything. We get to know Jennifer Wilson, who is the fourth suicide victim that we can really heavily. Again, this is like the suicide murder theme and then we get a character who has the same initials as john Mm -hmm. and then wrote down the name rachel on the floor stillborn daughter who also has the initials rw yes Um, yeah mm -hmm. that's a good point and then there's also she was having an affair or she was Mm -hmm. having a string of affairs that's a the affair is a is a, a good um the affair and the unhappy running marriage. is a running theme, and the unhappy marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, yeah, that's big, and it's the fourth one, and she's the mm. first one to leave a note, which is very telling because that's immediately something that I connected to when I realized the when I was making a connection between the note in the Lang Detective and the one in um, the six statues that John gives quote unquote gives Molly to give to Sherlock. And then we don't ever see what's in that note, but then we get in the next episode, there's a note as well. Mm-hmm. And this That's is a nice. big callback to which line detective calls back to Sunny pink pretty explicitly with the character of faith. And then we know that that whole episode is focused more heavily on Jennifer Wilson with the pink case and the pink phone, a lot of pink. So she is the important mirror character for that whole episode, mm-hmm. in addition to Jeff Hope. Yeah. In addition to it being like a pretty obvious reference to the Valley of Fear. Yeah. Which in the Valley of Fear, there's a guy who, and this might have some implications for, you know, how we might view series four and the future and what might happen. And especially with the Garadibs moment, but uh, we don't really know for sure. But it was a guy who, um, it's been a while since I read it, but I know it's a guy who supposedly killed himself and he's wearing a pink robe. Yeah. And he faked his death, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. He also had, a, like, there was a ring missing, I think, on his finger as well. So we had, like, yeah. sort of the ring. His, his wedding ring was missing. 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have a ring aspect and we have the pink robe mm-hmm. and the fake suicide. Yeah. Which, yeah, I think that's going to come back later. Mm-hmm. The fake suicide and a real suicide because I do think that they like to they like to subvert things. Mm-hmm. And we know that suicide's already a big aspect of his character. For sure. There's a lot on that that we will get back. We'll circle back to it eventually. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then John does the same thing with Sherlock where he's just so amazed and he's like, oh, it's just brilliant. And he's Sherlock notices that and pauses for a moment um, and then moves on. And I think it's, he does the same thing when he realizes that there has to be a case, a suitcase, and it's missing. And I, I, you know what, I understand that he says that the mistake is pink, but I'm not sure how to unpack that. Because I know he's saying that it's, the mistake is pink because if she just left her suitcase and it was any other color, he could have just tossed it out and no one would ever know. But the mistake mm-hmm. was that this woman had everything that was pink. Mm-hmm. So he could easily find the suitcase. But that m- specific moment where he yells out pink feels, he doesn't just say her suitcase had to be pink or he left her suitcase. He says just the word pink and it feels stronger. It feels more, there's a lot of weight to it mm-hmm. beyond that basic reading of it. And I just don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Yeah. I know, I mean, uh, I know a lot of people have sort of said that pink sort of being a color that's important, sort of queer coding. Yeah. In the whole uh, Hitler using pink to identify Mm -hmm. um, gay people, uh, which is where pink sort of became a feminine color because of that. So I'm wondering if that, that's sort of the way a lot of people read it. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily but i think it's it's possible it's a yeah it's a possible reading of it Mm -hmm. i wonder if in when they sort of mirror this episode at the end of the series in terms of narrative symmetry if they're gonna go the pink route if they're gonna instead do like the color red in some way like a studying scarlet maybe I don't know it's just a thought in my head not making a pr- prediction here i'm just wondering Especially. what i would do <laughs> what would i do if i were the writer i think i would yeah. use red just because faith is red and has the red dress and everything else is there's a lot of like the me substitute like the mm-hmm. red balloon yes 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 oh yeah i can definitely see that yeah I so i don't know if that's what rug. they're doing but yeah oh yeah that's a good point which is that's like People are like, oh, it's just the blood, which, yeah, that's true. I think I would still, if, if I were the writer, that's just what I would do. So that's as far as I, I'm getting with that speculation, though. So <laughs> Just that. <laughs> <laughs> that's about that's all I have to say on it, I guess. Okay. And then, ooh, we get him. So we get him leaving. He's sad because he kind of got left there. He was abandoned in his mind. Um not that Sherlock thought of it that way. He was just mm-hmm. excited about the case and just got like, skipped out of there. And so he's like, okay, well, I guess there's no point in me being here. So I'm going to awkwardly, that's, oh, that scene feels, I feel so much for him in that scene. Because everything about after Sherlock leaves, he, it's so uncomfortable. I know. And I, if, if I were him, I would feel very awkward and like unwanted. I know. Yeah. He just like leaves him. And I think John sort of has this like feeling like, oh, what was I thinking, you know? Yeah. And I think it, it just, 
Uh, it's so sad. It's like the first of many instances where John's like thinking that he's unwanted. And yeah, I wasn't all that useful in that scene anyway, because he wanted him to like look at the woman that was on the floor. He probably mm-hmm. thinks like, oh, what did I even do? Of course, yeah, he like, would have, useless. No. what was the point of me? Like, I think that's yeah. kind of how he felt. Mm-hmm. No, no. No jazzy saxophone, but yeah. unfortunately, but we do get this wonderful scene with Mycroft, and then mm-hmm. which is very, um, it's so funny because we're not introduced. He doesn't just show up, of course, he gets all these phones <laughs> that start ringing around him, and he's like, What? Okay, that's weird. Walking by, and then another one starts ringing, um, and then we get like the, the camera that that starts to move over to like, or no, hides. The -hmm. cameras all on the street all move so that they can't see John on the street talking on the phone, (laughs) which is a, which is a, I love that visual. They didn't have to do that, but I like that they did that. It's just like this, like foreboding, like almost like this kind of red herring kind of thing. Yep. Where they're setting us up to believe that Mycroft is Moriarty. But just turns out to be Sherlock's brother, who's like really just mm-hmm. dramatic and concerned about him. Exactly, but then and it also doubles as like a like, like that, that metaphor where your like brother like um interrogates your boyfriend and <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. But but I do think that there could there could you could read it as well as like um the author or the show kind of inserting themselves mm-hmm. in the scene because oh, you do have literally. Mark Gatiss, the writer himself, as Mycroft, which they took that idea and ran with it. And I throughout the show, and I, they, of course, they did. Like that's of course they did. You they have did. to if you have that. Well, you have to. Um, so Mycroft, I think, was a really important character in the show because of this. Because he's not in this. He's like what two stories in canon, right? I don't I think. know. You're asking the wrong. He's person. not in it a lot. I know that. I know someone will correct us later, <laughs> but I do, I do feel somewhat comfortable saying that he's not a, a a big big character. He's not in it nearly as much as he is in the show. Yeah, I don't think so. But, but I think you know. that they definitely really liked him, and I think they were really playing off of um, the private life of Sherlock Holmes because of you know the inclusion of Mycroft. They really yeah they really liked that characterization and yes they definitely tried to go with that in Sherlock which of course they did right but I really do love I love that scene and I love like there's some subtlety in that scene and mm-hmm. and just the way that it, it plays out and clever wordplay oh yeah absolutely and some things like you just don't even really fully notice I mean you have this scene where Mycroft is again he's sort of you're meant to think he's this villain right but he's really just this protective overprotective yes. brother who's Big brother. concerned mm-hmm. about Sherlock you know he really he's really worried about him but he just does it in this like really dramatic way oh yeah um, <laughs> but uh, I like the things that he says about you know John and to John are really telling of sort of John's state he sort of goes into this idea like you don't trust people yet you trust Sherlock you trust my brother right and I I love the some of like the suggestions like there's two things one of them is the most obvious sort of suggestion that that um everybody knows about where Mycroft is like since yesterday you'll be moving in with him and now you're solving crimes together 
might we expect a happy announcement by the end of the week? Like, obviously, like, he's implying that that he thinks they're going to get married, right? But you could, like, play that off as a joke. Mm -hmm. But then there's this moment afterwards where he's offering money to John to spy on his brother. Just to, like, give him, mostly just give him updates on how he's doing. And he's like, I'd be happy to offer you a reasonable amount of money to ease your way. And which John's yeah, I know. (laughs) I know, but John, yeah, I know because John doesn't have a lot of money. He's not a wealthy man. Yes. And then John's like, in exchange for what? And Mycroft says, information, nothing indiscreet, nothing you'd feel uncomfortable with. Just tell me what he's up to. So he thinks that okay, like what that just the implication that he like nothing indiscreet, nothing Mm -hmm. you feel uncomfortable sharing. Yeah, to me, it seems like he's implying that they'll have a sex life, and he doesn't want to hear about it. Which I think right, yeah. funny. Ooh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. And it, there's also it kind of made me more, it reminded me of like a like a, almost like a blackmail situation where it's not mm. blackmail, but it, it kind of feels wrong though to be sharing information to someone, like getting paid to find out information and pass it along. Without it being too obviously, but because there's a traitor element to it, where mm-hmm. and that's what he's doing. That's why that's why he gives him the whole proposition too, as well. On top of that, is on top of the implying things about their relationship, he doesn't know yet, and so that's why this whole setup is there, and where he thinks that that's what's going on, but then he's also just to be sure. I need to make sure he's vetting him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there he's a. Uh, older sibling vetting the potential romantic partner to their younger sibling. But also um, he needs to know because what the kind of person that Sherlock is and the life that he's got, this guy, I have to trust him. Like he's trust my brother. This is suspicious potentially. So I need to know if I trust him. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's why he's, he's testing him and John, passes with flying colors because it's so telling to me that throughout the rest of the show john um has a weakness for money like drinking and money because he doesn't manage money well and maybe even had difficulty with money growing up who knows that's kind of we're all speculating on that but yet he doesn't have the money because he's already loyal to sherlock he just met him and he's already loyal to him yeah, he's not going to take the money. Like mm-hmm. He would take money for a case, like in, like in The Blind Baker. Like he's jonesing for the money, but he's not going to sell someone out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Whew, big. So much to unpack in that. For See, sure. So, so good. And I love that it's marketed. It just makes it ten times better. Yeah. And I always uh, just like... Skipping ahead, I love the reveal at the end where, like, John finds out that it's his brother and he says, like, you know how it upset mummy? And he's like, yeah. Mm, <laughs> it's like, whoa, 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 hit the brakes. Mummy? Who's mummy? He's like, our <laughs> So he's not a criminal mastermind? No, it's just my brother. And they have this little tiff, like, argument, <laughs> like, little, like siblings, like, oh, I'm not the one that upset her. You did. Like, just siblings fighting. Oh I love it. So good. So funny. Oh, it's that. Oh, it's such, it's such good humor. Um, but then at the end of the scene with Mycroft, we, that's when it's revealed to us in 
more explicit terms that he isn't traumatized by the war in the way that we are led to believe believe, just because of what you would expect like he's just john is not a character that you that would do what you expect he's yeah he's got surprises as well and he's not um he knows from that meeting he's gonna he sees what sherlock sees in a way Mm -hmm. he knows that this guy is not afraid of war because he's in this high pressure situation where he doesn't know who this guy is, he doesn't trust him, and he's asking questions about Sherlock, and he's on edge the whole time, and he doesn't have that tremor in his left hand. Just yep. telling. Like he enjoys that more so. Having nothing to do mm-hmm. causes him to have these like psychosomatic symptoms. Yeah. They sort of em- or em- He feels alive in that moment. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. emblematic really scared. of his like sadness and his feeling of uselessness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I just don't just sit and like we've. I feel like this whole episode is just us talking about John, but I just series four. I can't help it. I, I know. I see his character in such a new light, so I tend to talk about him the most. But yeah, no, I I, I feel you. Yeah, but I think I, I think maybe we can sort of do like an overview of like where I think they're respectively where both of their sort of emotional states are in a study in pink. I think we could get more onto that in the next scene. I thought one towards the end was so much of him towards the end though. That's true because like the scene when they meet up at the, at the flat, there's not much to talk about there. It's just mostly, mostly plot stuff. Um, And we don't have all the time in the world, but then they do leave again and john is like the for the first time is actually getting really annoyed about sherlock but he's still like giving him the benefit of the doubt which is important but with the context of the whole conversation with mycroft he's like more questioning i guess maybe like what just happened yeah i think i think a lot of like just in general john always ends up kind of feeling taken for granted so yeah, he feels true. this this pull towards Sherlock, and he feels like there's something there that I think he sort of keeps getting disappointed by the way Sherlock sometimes behaves, and yeah. sort of makes him feel unappreciated or uh, just taken for granted. Yeah, and that is, but but yet he can't he can't stop himself. He he can't stop, and that comes up a lot in the show. He sees mm-hmm. something in him that he 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 knows that he you know gets on with. But I think he's immediately got feelings for him, right? I th- I think that yeah, I, I, feel like I see. Yeah, um, I, I hear, I hear you. I totally am yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. So I think he is a little bit disappointed sometimes by like how he behaves. Like he's saying he's a sociopath. He's saying he's all these things. He's kind of being rude sometimes. But like he also sees the softer side in him, and he's just he's a little bit. He's like, just he's hoping. Like, no. He's hoping for for better or more. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this is a theme sort of throughout the entire show. Like he has these expectations of Sherlock he wants Sherlock to be to be more you know open or more loving or yeah because I, he's he he sees the potential there mm-hmm. and that's why he that's why he thinks he's the bravest and is it does he say bravest and kindest or he just says yeah. the, you're the bra- bravest the and the wisest and, bravest and kind or the wisest man I've ever known I think I don't know if it was Sherlock he doesn't say kind him. that's I don't think John says that I'm 
I'm conflating the two speeches. <laughs> yeah, me too. I know they're very similar. Uh, uh, shoot, I don't know. But it, either way, he does most- think he's one of the best men. He does think he's one of the best men. Yes, you're the best men that I've ever known. And, like, you're the wisest and you're, you're the... Yeah, he says wisest some, and best. Something, yeah. Something, something like, like that. that, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get there when we get to Rocky Back Hall. But the point is that he thinks that he's one of the best men. And I think he does see the good in him. He he has the potential to be a, a good man, right? And I think um, that is when he's disappointed because he has he sees that and he has hope for it but he always gets disappointed when he doesn't live up to that potential because he knows it's there he's not just seeing things that that aren't there he can actually see that he's got moments Mm -hmm. yeah and i think this is something that comes up later on uh, especially for john his expectation of sherlock and i think there are signs that john feels guilty for having done that after he thinks Sherlock, you know, kills himself. I think he starts beating himself up over that. Like, I should have just saw him as a friend. I shouldn't have expected more. And yeah. I pushed him to, to, this, to this, you know, by expecting him to be someone he's not. So I think that's something that yeah. John ends up dealing with. Like, was part of his demon, like one of his demons. Oh, for sure. Because he, he, even though he got to say what he really feels on the phone call, he didn't get to say everything, obviously. We know that, mm-hmm. but... He did get to, to you know, Say redeem himself, almost kind of redeem himself in his eyes. But to him, I think he, regardless of that, he probably felt so much guilt of the, the fact that he called him a machine because mm-hmm. he didn't see through the the ruse. And he definitely blamed himself for that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it is on the blog a little bit, too. I, we it really? I'll, I'll have to go back into it and do some research when we talk about the Reckonback Ball and yeah. – and, the empty hearse but you know what i need to make a make it a point i'm making a note that i need to like be more conscious of looking at the blogs as we go Mm -hmm. yeah because i think there's so much in the blogs the blogs tell us so much about uh their mental state even this is like this additional piece pieces of information additional pieces of information but also additional insight into the way that, that that john's presenting it to the mm-hmm. audience mm, yes but we can well. come back to this though because you know what what we'll do we'll talk about the study in pink with the blog post we should just talk about it in the great game because mm-hmm. they explicitly are talking about the blog post in oh episode. yes yes i have so much to say about the great game as well like the beginning of it yeah. i this is that's that is uh one of my favorite scenes i do love that scene yeah and there's just so much in that scene. You have a little domestic. Oh my god, yeah. But we'll, <laughs> save love it. It. we'll save it for the great game. Save yes, season, okay. So. Where were we? Oh, I do love it. You know, because going off of uh, John, still like, oh, alright, whatever. I'm still, dang it, I can't help myself. Because he, I think he says like, damn it. And he go, he goes after him anyway. He follows along. Uh-huh. He, cause I love that. Yep. <laughs> Because he's, of course, going to know. And he's like, God dang it. I'm, not, I'm kidding myself, but I'm going. And they go out to Angelo's. And that this is where it's... I don't know what Sherlock was thinking, bringing him there. Because I think he probably just knew Angelo or knew, knew he could get a spot. But, like, really, Sherlock? A restaurant? I don't know. But... It's just... <laughs> Mm, yeah yeah okay <laughs> oh my goodness but i think he 
just wasn't thinking maybe. But then, you know, John sitting there at a restaurant with him and the way that Angelo talks about Sherlock and to them puts the idea in his mind like, oh, he's not straight because I, Mrs. Hudson alluded to it and now he's alluding to it. And so he's like, we're in a restaurant. I mean, he's definitely having a, a moment of, it's, it's a pivotal moment. Uh, but I where... think that John has been having that pivotal moment since he met him. He says in this oh, blog. Oh, yeah, but I, no, but I mean like. blog that Sherlock might be gay. So he thinks. Oh, that... the, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's where he's like feeling more confident though. And here's an opportunity that's presented himself. That's the environment that they're in. And mm-hmm. so that's when they start to have the conversation about um, relationships. Oh, boy, yes. Uh, I love. How does it even, how do they even. Started? I know the scene by heart. Just John, okay. Just John, just like straight up out of nowhere, say he says he says um he said so there are no arch enemies in real life doesn't happen. Oh, okay. And Sherlock's like, oh, yeah. doesn't it? Sounds a bit dull. And John's like, so what, what I mean? do people have that in their real life? Yeah, yeah. What do people have in their real lives? And then John says, you know, friends, people they like, people they don't like. Girlfriends, boyfriends. boyfriends. I like how he says it so like nervously. Like he kind of says when he looks down. It makes him He's trying to be he's trying to say it nonchalantly. Like he's just casually saying, Yeah, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends. Yeah, like 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 a like, you know, very closeted. I'm scared to say it. I'm a little like insecure of saying that. Oh yes. Oh my god. My stomach just went (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. But it's it's so telling. I think a lot of this, this is definitely a big cited moment that people like to point to. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it's not enough for people. And yet it, it's used as like one moment that we're reading too much into. And I don't, or people think of it as queer baiting. <gasps> it's know, a complicated, it's so there's annoying. so much, but I just want to like appreciate it because I know that there's, this isn't the only moment that we've got. There's so much to the, the whole core of the show. There are so many. I Sometimes I forget about it. Sometimes I forget about that moment. I do, yeah. So yeah. it's just like, it's, this is just one moment. This is one it's just one of many. So. Yeah. But it's the only time, I think, where John explicitly asks Sherlock about relationships. He tries to. He gets close to, I think, asking him about Irene or he'll ask Mrs. Hudson about Yeah, he says it indirectly and he'll even say it's again, indirectly, does Sherlock have has he ever had a girlfriend or a boyfriend? And yeah, he says anything. Irene, I don't know, like again, who he doesn't know if Sherlock is gay. He's still he has no idea. He Which tries to get Sherlock to admit uh, say something about Irene, but he's just silent. He won't bring it up. Anything. Yeah. But like yeah, he just so, John which another thing is really interesting. Um a part uh, part of the um the narrative that you know john's supposedly his best friend but he doesn't know if sherlock is gay he doesn't know if sherlock is gay or straight this is something that yeah is meant to be important to the audience um mm-hmm. so just very very interesting thing to put there like why else would they put that there like there's no other reason so yeah yeah we have that moment where he's like asking subtly kind of asking him out in the way that John asks people out, he he does this. He asks, kind of asks Sherlock out, quote quote, in the same way that he does with Anthea in the car. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's very much like, do you ever get any free time? Like very indirectly, uh-huh. instead of saying, 
do you want to go on a date it's it. like yeah you ever have any free time do you have a girlfriend do you have a boyfriend oh that's great we're, we're both unattached that's really great mm-hmm. and wonderful that we're both a good point. single both of us <laughs> so yeah. like yeah and girlfriends aren't your area it's really wonderful how how things happen that way <laughs> just kind of like and then Sherlock immediately like looks at him and he's like oh he's asking me out like just immediately that's contrast of course to molly in the beginning was like mm-hmm. would you like to have coffee and the average person like if it was a guy asking him that he would have been like oh uh, or john he would have like, oh. <laughs> would have had the same moment but because it's molly he's like he's not even going there he's just immediately okay, goes give me a coffee oh yeah i'll have some <laughs> coffee <Thanks. laughs> it's just dumb Okay, um, yeah, I love that moment. I can't believe you have that scene memorized. <laughs> I do, no, I, I do. I have the deduction scene memorized at the beginning. I don't have this one. I don't think I've, I probably could mouth the words along with the scene if I watched it. I do love the moment, though, when she like, realizes that that's what John is saying. And yeah, he, no, like, he look at his face like he looks out the Like a second, oh. Um, and he goes, yeah, uh, John, um. I think you should know that I consider myself married to my work. And while I'm flattered by your interest, I'm really yeah, flattered. I lo- <laughs> flattered. Really? And I love how he's like, I'm really not looking for anything right now. It's not even like, a, oh, I'm, oh, I don't do that. I'm not gay or whatever. It's like, I'm not looking anything for anything right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm married to my work. I consider myself married to my work. He's not saying I'm not interested in you even. He doesn't even say that. He says he doesn't say I'm not interested in you. I'm not interested in men at all he doesn't say any of those things he just says yeah, i'm not girlfriends are in his area and he doesn't right. have a boyfriend that's what he yeah. says but i'm con- but i'm married to my work yeah. i'm not looking for a relationship but that doesn't mean <laughs> and then of course after john responds he's like oh, oh i mean i wasn't i wasn't asking well but i was just saying it's all fine and then right, yeah, says, yeah. thank you which is like why is he saying thank you that's weird <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, that is a moment. Why? What's the street explanation for for the thank you? I mean, you can kind of like, okay, he's married to his work. It's fine. All right, cool. Thanks. Good. But it's just weird. It's, but no, he's saying it's all fine. Like, it's okay if he's gay and he says thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why he says thank you. Right? Like, But me. it could go either way. It could go either way. Which is why that scene is so well written. It's, there, it's intentionally vague because there's a, a lot of silence which a lot of um queer coding in film mm-hmm. and television yeah. they you if you can't say it the only way that you can point to it is to make people do two plus two equals four or like highlight the silence highlight the blank space and leaving room for plausible deniability exactly yes mm-hmm. and that's what that scene does mm-hmm um, but I think that that moment of is the only time where we get John asking him anything explicitly. And so that married to his work idea is going to haunt us and him throughout the entire rest of the show. Because mm-hmm. once he says that, he can't go back. But that's where his character is at that moment, though. Mm-hmm. You know? well, I think it haunts him in that episode, too, because really, I think oh. Sherlock is at this like point where he doesn't know if he can trust John. Sherlock has trust yeah, issues as well. He doesn't trust people, and especially when it comes to relationships. And yeah, romance. that's true. He is, I think he was hurt in the past or something. I think he, he's like, he's cute. I don't know if I can trust him. Yeah. And then later in the episode, he shoots 
a man for him, saves his life. And then when Sherlock realizes this, he has this like moment where he like looks at John across, staring at him from across the street. And he looks like he just like fell in love right in that moment. Yeah, like, you're wow, right. Yeah, like, you're right. Oh my God. You're know. so right. Mm-hmm. You're so right. And I think it's, it's definitely both. And it's because it haunts him in that episode. I was thinking a little bit too far ahead, but he is in that place of like, he's closed off but he's willing to maybe open up. He's just not ready yet. And it takes him all through series one with their whole back and forth. And it's not until a scandal in Belgravia that he realizes everything, but it's unfortunate. Well, you know what I mean? Like he's, he, I think he's realizing like, I don't know. I, I, let me, let me go back one step. <laughs> I don't know. I have, I have an understanding. He realizes about, I don't know. I have to really think about it. I, I think he does. Like you said, he realizes that... <laughs> what? I was going to say, I can give you my understanding of Sherlock and, and his feelings. Oh, I think no. I instinctively know. I just, I'm not, I'm having trouble articulating it. <laughs> Go I ahead. Do I do know, so okay. I can tell you. Okay. So, so Sherlock, again, Sherlock doesn't know. He's he's burned by, um, there's something that happened in the past. In his line of work, he has to deal with a lot of romantic partners um, murdering each other and hurting each other. So he has a really hard time trusting people in relationships, especially in romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't know if he can trust John. Then John saves his life and he realizes that he can trust John with his life and that he he's so dreamy and he loves him. I think he spends the rest of that episode, I mean, after that, again, he's kind of more flirty with John and then he's like, "That's have, you want to have dinner? You want to have dinner? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in The Blind Banker, especially sort of in the beginning, it seems like Sherlock is a little, I, I think, and, and just looking at some of the stuff that's on his blog, Sherlock appears to be, he's really bad at it He's because he's a virgin, but I think mm-hmm. he's trying, he knows, he thinks that John likes him because he asked him out. Yeah. So I think he's trying to be like, he's like waiting for John to like say something to him. Again, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't realize that John's not going to say anything else. Yeah, because John had, he has this, like, he was rejected, so John's like, oh, well, that's it. I'm not doing anything. He doesn't realize yeah. that. So he, yeah, yeah, yeah. so he thinks that John's going to, like, going to say something again. If he if he is, like, seductive enough, or if he's like, okay, I'm just going to sit around and be sexy, and maybe he'll like me. Yeah, you know, he's going to say it, right? But then John starts dating Sarah. Yeah, And yeah, then yeah. as soon as John starts dating Sarah, Sherlock starts to behave differently. He starts to behave very jealously and like more bitchy. And for sure, there's a lot of parts where I think this also accounts for a lot of Sherlock's bitchiness is because he's mad that John is dating a woman and he feels like he was deceived. Or just anyone. You know, true. But I think that especially in the beginning of the great game, it shows to me, Sherlock feels that he was deceived. He thinks that John was deceptively romantic in his writing and that he read his writing wrong um, and that he never liked him in the first place. And Sherlock oh, yeah. was really pissy about it. And he's like that even up until the beginning of... Jeez, he does that trust issues. Yes. yes. He's like that in, and that's why he's so sad. Yeah. And, and, and that's what... It, yeah. And it takes all scandal grief for him to realize that he, A, can trust John and also knows how he feels better he understands it more while he while simultaneously being confronted with a fear of 
of emotions and what it can, the consequences it can bring. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because he knows that Moriarty is a looming threat, which is why it could have been a good moment for their growth because John wasn't dating Sarah at that point. Um, But But he's dating a a string of women. He's dating a bunch of women. And Sherlock is pissy about it. He's pissy about it the entire time. Like, oh, who are you? You're the one with the nose, the one with the spot, or you're the boring teacher. Like, he's doing that on purpose. But I don't think he, I think he kind of can see through it to a certain extent. They, I, he I don't sees think so. Them. I don't think he sees I don't through think so it. I don't think he sees through it entirely. Like, he's interested in them. But I think he does see that they're not good for him. And then eventually they're going to break up because no one's going to be good enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think he sees that instinctively. But he's like, I can't trust my instinct because I was wrong the first time. Yeah, yeah. And he's upset that that John let him on. He kind of feels like John let him Mm -hmm. on. And then this doesn't really change. And again, he's like, that's why he's super sad in... That's why he's sad in a scandal book movie. It's not because Irene's dead. He's sad because he's in love with John and John's dating a bunch of women. Mm-hmm. But we don't, the the other, the kind of, the narrative is kind of making you think it's something else. But when you understand that, it's obvious. Yeah. Um, but Sherlock doesn't, he's not really, he doesn't realize that he was, like, wrong until he overhears the conversation with Irene and mm-hmm. John. Which is he- immediately followed up with, um, I care about Mrs. Hudson, too. And here's, they're threatening her. So this is a mm-hmm. problem. And that's mm-hmm. why he comes to, he makes one step forward and two steps back. So at yeah, the end of like, Scandal oh Gravia, he's like, crap. Well, I understand my heart. I, I get my feelings. I'm in touch with them. I understand, John. I get where we're at. But I'm also going to put this away and figure it out later because love is a dangerous disadvantage because exactly. you will always get hurt. You will always get yeah. your feelings hurt. So that's kind of where he is at that point. Yeah. He does have that realization that, oh no, I was wrong. John's actually in love with me. And that's why he has that like, that moment where he looks like he's. I love that. I love that. That's so good. Yeah. The, the, the angle, the, the close up, the, it's so shaky. The Mm -hmm. music, it's so well done. It just gives you so much insight into his emotions in that moment. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, oh, that moment. I love it. It's so short, but it really packs a bunch. I love it. Anyway, (sighs) we got to save the scandal talk for later. I just was having a really hard time remembering where Sherlock is at. I've been in John world for a long time, but you're absolutely right. I totally, I totally got a lot of that. Um, but I tend to forget about it or I don't know in the moment, but yeah, you're right. That's a good point. But I think that that's that dinner scene haunts him multiple times where Mm -hmm. he's like, in a scandal, even but in his dream. But all throughout the rest of the show, he's constantly going like, "Well, if only I had figured everything out in that moment or before that moment, and ha- had been ready in that moment, then it would have been totally different." Yeah, I think that's also why it's in tab. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Having John kind of confronting him about his sexuality is yeah. like to me like a callback to a study in pink in that mm-hmm. moment. He because he, he wants him to. He needs him to ask him that question, and John wants to. And he thinks, like, if he just asks again, I might respond differently. <laughs> but I think it's actually kind of a good thing that he doesn't. Is that weird? I think, like, during, like, post-tab, which we don't really necessarily see, 
the real story, but I think that if John had actually asked him around that time, like before Tab maybe, I think that it might have, I don't think he ever would have, <laughs> but hypothetically, I think if he had known what Sherlock's answer would have been, I don't think that Sherlock would have answered, like, been super obvious that he has feelings for John, but just has, a, is capable of feeling emotions. Because mm-hmm. I think that John, if John, he tends to, like, lie to himself about, he goes back and forth about Sherlock a lot, that he doesn't feel anything. He sa- he says that in a scandal. He, he, I don't think he feels things that way because he does know that he can, or part of him knows that he can, or thinks that he can, but he just kind of lets himself believe the lie because the lies is it's easier to swallow the lie than to than the truth because the truth mm-hmm. in his mind would be well if he does have feelings it, it wouldn't be for me, but Sherlock wouldn't. But at the same time, mm-hmm. Sherlock wouldn't want to mess things up with John and Mary. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it it would take a moment of, the, which is where we're at in series four. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the that's the next, the final problem. No, it's the, it's mm-hmm. one of the next problems <laughs> because John can't yeah. say it. John can't say it again, which this whole yeah, time he won't. he's been waiting for John to ask him again, but he won't. Yep, and that's the problem is that he won't say it unless Sherlock says it first. Because he, yeah, because he can't, because he's got way more issues that he can't deal with on his own. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Whew. Yeah, How wild is it that by the, uh, close to the end, Sherlock goes through way, way more of a dramatic character growth than John does at all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and truly. All four seasons. Which, oh, John is just so complicated. Okay, so... He's a mess. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, which is probably one of my least favorite scenes to watch, I kind of fast forward through it, where they, like, chase after the cab and... Oh, yeah. It's just kind of like a cool moment to see, like, it's a, this thing is a chase scene. Works. Whatever. It's just like a fun <laughs> little thing. It's just not... It's just kind of lasts a little bit long. There's, there's a couple little humor moments there. But it's worth it, though, because then when it's, like, nothing, it turns out to be nothing, and it's, like, this guy, which is a fun callback to Jefferson Hope from the original story, because Jefferson Hope was an American, because they had the whole plot cul-de-sac, so to speak, in mm-hmm. a study in Scarlet, where we're told the tale of when he was in America and then came over to England, I think. Mm. And so it's a fun callback, but it's not him. It's not the villain. But they do find a guy that's in the back of the cab that's American, but the, our villain isn't American. He's going to be this other guy. So it's yeah, a fun, nice little, nice it's little, a fun little hint. There. Yeah, switcheroo, which they love to do that. Then they laugh about it, and then they joke. They laugh They laugh so much in this. And this is like another thing that they go back to. That's why this episode is so important, because they had so much fun together and then they ran back to the apartment that's when they're laughing a ton like full i love the giggle that john does <laughs> i can't repeat it but it's so goofy and that yeah. they're themselves in that moment then it's revealed that sherlock um knows that he left his cane mm-hmm. i love it i love it which when did sherlock text him it must have been while they were walking back, I guess. But they were still out of breath when they walked in, so I don't know. I guess they weren't that far. Because the restaurant, they did walk to the restaurant from 221B. So I guess they weren't that far. They did? Yeah, they did. They ran. <laughs> they, like, ran. 
Anyway, so then he left his cane. And so then we got this moment of, I don't even know how to describe it. Sherlock seeing John. Another another moment where he sees him and did something for him because he fixed his limp. He didn't just see him, but he he saved him in that way that oh, yeah. John really appreciates. that, And that's why he thinks he's such a good person because he didn't have to do that. But he saw that he could and he did it and he smiled because he knowingly did that. To help him, and I think it's just such a good, such a good moment. Absolutely, I love it. I love it. And then Lestrade's era for the drugs bust, which we already talked about that with Lestrade's character, so we don't have to go into that again. But where we get more, more of the facade, we get this nice moment where we really see John Sherlock being sweet, and then a sharp contrast where he is seemingly this sociopath. He's really just bad at, at social situations, but he's not actually sociopathic. The fact that he's a highly functioning sociopath, which isn't even really a thing. Yeah, I know. It's... <laughs> but he just like he goes with it. It's his it's his facade because Anderson, Sally, literally everyone except Lestrade are just mean to him. So he just kind of goes with it. Yep. Like they can't hurt me if I choose it almost. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. If I just like go along with, well, I don't have feelings, so I can't get hurt. Right. So you're, fe- you're, you're being mean to me, but I don't care because I'm a sociopath. So I, I don't feel anything. So as if that's going to make them be less mean. To him. It's just <sighs> the comment that Stephen Moffat said that like, if real sociopaths don't tell you that they're sociopaths. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. If someone says they're a sociopath, they wish they were. Yep, because they wouldn't think that there's anything wrong with them. They're really good at pretending to have emotions, but they don't actually have emotions. Yeah, he uh, feels and, he has he has too many big feelings. He doesn't want he doesn't want exactly. Um, but he always acts emotionally, mm-hmm. instinctively. Absolutely, because he, he, no one can be perfect at hiding them. And that scene is him just being he's being rude, but he's so overstimulated and he can't think and he's so frustrated that he can't solve this because he's so close but he can't think and everyone's frustrating him because they're not on the same page and no one's trusting his his intellect but yet it's also so distracting and so he can't think so he's really really frustrated in that scene and that's when he tends to be more of a jerk and then he realizes that there's the thing with the phone he's trying to explain the phone and Rachel and he realizes that it's a that it was he, the killer had the phone that she planted it on him and that the, the Rachel was supposed to be the password. Um, there's the moment which we alluded to earlier where he asks about like, well, what would you do if you were dying? We talked about that earlier. Oh, I love that. He says that though, that, um, well, if you were clever, like really clever, which, <laughs> oh, that line drives yeah, me crazy because he is, John is clever, but he didn't need to be clever. That's the thing. It's not that he isn't clever. He's had that moment before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, again, Sherlock's sort of taking John for granted and not really giving him the full benefit. I think he yeah. finally does get to that point, And that's why he sort of goes overboard in like season three in Tab, where yes. he talks about how clever he is. Yes. Yeah. Because he is clever. He just didn't need to be clever in that moment because he hasn't had that. When he had that same moment, he didn't, there was nothing to, that he could do to leave behind any sort of sign because it 
ties back to Jennifer Wilson that we're going to see him, in my opinion, leave some sort of, like, like the note concept, I think is going to be really important because I think it's going to be, if not explicit, I don't know what it's going to be or what, I don't know exactly, but I think it's definitely going to be some sort of clever clue or note or puzzle for him to solve in any iteration of that at all. I think it's going to be it's going to be his version of him being clever, like Jennifer mm. Wilson was clever. Yeah. Because it's such a important mirror character in this first episode that we're going to probably have some callback to in the end. Oh, I would love that. Oh, the anxiety in this scene as he's freaking out and being so... Because I've had that moment <laughs> of, like, people won't stop talking and the, the TV is on and then uh. there's, like, someone's tapping the table and I just get so overstimulated that I can't think. Yep, I've had yep. that moment so many times. And it oh, makes yeah, me... me look, I hate that. I get, I get bitchy. <laughs> I so I really... People are talking over one another and, and like, everyone's talking and... I hate so when like someone's trying to talk to me and then there's people having a conversation next to me and the TV's on. Yeah. It's awful. Oh, I hate that. And because I, I will like want to turn the volume down and turn the TV off, but my family likes to keep it on for no reason. It's like, isn't that it distracting? Like you're not watching it. And so it's just there. It's just noise, but they don't like it to be quiet. But I, I can't have anything distracting me. So I really, I really, I just really relate to him in that moment. But it's such, it's so anxiety inducing watching this scene because the whole time, like rewatching it, because Mrs. Hudson is trying to tell him the taxi man is here, but he doesn't realize it until it everyone's distracted and then he goes and leaves. But then we get that moment at the end, which is again why Sherlock is kind of eating his own words the end of the episode just like everything else he's done because he realizes no he was clever enough to figure out what i figured out mm-hmm. to some extent I, I think john realized that that's kind of what happened that he went off with the, he was there with the phone and then left with him yeah so he yeah. decided to follow after him yeah that's like one of the first sort of moments we get of john being much more clever than clever he than he looked. yes yes and then we get him walking outside, talking to him. I forget everything that he says, but it's an awful lot of, like, Jeff being clever or trying really hard to be clever. Or both. Yeah. Um, and he says, true. but he, he gets him to come with him because he just, like, he doesn't threaten him. He just gets in the car and says, oh, you know, I talked to them and they killed themselves. And you're going to figure out what I mean and you're gonna come with me and see for yourself kind of and he's so intrigued and that's why he goes with him but it is telling that John earlier had said well maybe he he talks to them he convinces them and then that's how he gets them to to kill themselves which in Mm -hmm. a way I guess he does because it it, it, there is a mind game that's played but the only difference is that everyone else is too afraid of the gun and Sherlock knows that it's fake unlike everyone else but yet mm-hmm. there's still that mind game that they play but that concept of I'm gonna talk to you and you're gonna kill yourself we haven't talked about this much I don't think at all I've alluded to it but that concept that the show puts in as not just suicide being a theme but that suicide murders are a theme together where there's this overlap and makes you question the definition of suicide or murder sort Mm. of 
in the, they're not saying it directly, but it's kind of there and like a subtext there. Because in a way, suicides are still kind of murder, but the murder is yourself. But mm-hmm. then are you really a murderer? Like you're not a bad person for doing that. It's the reasons why that that put you there, if, if you understand my meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. So I think that's an important setup in this early first episode that we get slight hints and callbacks to as we can think of jennifer wilson and jeff hope as being both being like a mirror and then the the dark mirror for his character and then comes up again in other episodes but especially lying detective so this episode is so so important i love it so much but yeah he and then of course this is what we talked about before we were recording the idea of the the three victims and then the two john and then sherlock as like the five potential actual victims or potential suicide murder victims and that that recurring five motif um every once in a while but especially in the first episode where we know that the fourth is the john mirror who but there's something different with the note and then we get potentially that callback in the line detective so we know that that's the fourth season that's what's different about it this time and that's where john is at in series four unfortunately and the crux of it is sort of at the end of this episode i think because then we get the sherlock who has to of course he does though he he realizes that the gun is fake it's all about the the mind games and the like choosing which one and i think it could be potential with like the way that the lang detective ends when we get the gun at yeah. the end where we're led to believe that he's been shot or figuratively has been shot because he shot himself but we don't actually see that he's shot and then in the next episode it's he's a tranquilizer or whatever but i think that's because like, just like in a study in pink he is thinking about it and that is an option but he ends up going with whatever else and there's a there's more to it than that that i'll have to get into later so we don't have the time to get into it and my thoughts are still half-baked but i think there's a there's other things as well especially if he's potentially going to fake his death and then actually maybe go off because i think a lot of people come to this conclusion because of like the real story of six statures because he maybe he's going after mary there's something there with her death or shooting or fake death or whatever it is that's questionable and he's on the i always go back to the image of him on the plane like that one guy that looks just like john on the plane and then Mm -hmm. we get him at the end of the episode and then again the callback and the final problem to someone on a plane looking out the window and it's that three that repetition of them where maybe he's the one that's going after mary it's just a where I'm at, where I'm considering that as being probably what's happening or some version of that. I'm, I feel like I'm picking up on threads without knowing the order or the exact way that it's going to go. But, mm. but I think there, if he does fake his death, I think Sherlock's going to have to figure, figure that out because of course he will. But then he has to know that it, that it is and not be fooled by the by the gun. It has to figure out the note both of those things have to 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 come together yeah yeah i think i think um yeah time will tell it's i think it's hard for me to say um what's going to happen but 
I think it's a good yeah it's a good theory it's so. yeah for sure I don't feel 100% confident about it but I just I have to sort of tease it mm-hmm. <laughs> at least now because I do think that this these scenes together are um going to come back in some way or another I just don't know how exactly mm-hmm. that'll look it's just my attempt at peeling back the millions of layers of series four <laughs> yes, and that. trying to make sense of it and guess but you know I'm, i regardless of if i'm right or wrong in any amount i look forward to being surprised yeah same but i think the only thing that we can say definitively is john is not in a good place <laughs> No, no, I think and that's, that's probably the only thing that we can. Four. We'll definitely get into yeah. once we get to series four, and there's oh, so how how so we much. like we did this for we did this for two hours. How are we gonna? <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to brainstorm how we're gonna approach series four. Yeah, I think get, I think maybe we need to do make make some more notes. Uh, I think I'm definitely going to write down some notes like to maybe structure the episode a little bit better. Yeah, we might even have to break it up. I don't know how we would do that. I don't know how we would structure it, but I just don't, I would be surprised if we would be able to, maybe we could do like an overview of each episode, but I feel like we kind of have to break down, like we can talk about certain theories Mm. that people have come up with. I feel like we need to do a primer for it. Yeah, for sure. We will. And I think we can get into the episodes themselves individually this way, but I think we might have to, because there's so much detail that's worth diving into. Because we're we haven't gone through every tiny moment and word and detail in these in this first episode, but that but series four is just so so complicated that I think it deserves the the time maybe as like an extra break it up into um multiple uh episodes for sure mm, we'll just have to play it by ear as we get closer we'll figure it out but i think we might have to do an overview and then get a little bit deeper into it mm-hmm. we'll see yeah. we'll, we'll figure see. it out but that, that's fun I'm, I'm looking forward to it Me and then of course um i'll just skip ahead there's the the love is much more vicious motivator i love that line i think i said it earlier and then John saves the day, and then they have that conversation with Lestrade, and he figures out, oh, you said it better earlier when he looks over at John. Yes, he looks and over at said it was him. And he's like, <sighs> he figures out it was John that saved his life, and he's like, wow, you're so dreamy, oh my god. He, uh, he literally, uh, he stops in his tracks almost, like in, in yeah, the middle of his like, speech, and is like, is speechless. Um, Even the way he's describing it, it's like, you'd have to be, you know, a man of military ser- service with nerves of steel like looks at him and it's oh just my God. this moment strong moral principle yeah strong moral principle like wow he's so dreamy he's so, he's dreamy. so, he's so perfect vitruvian man he's got a really good morals he's so brave oh, i'm i'm figuratively i'm thinking about sherlock mentally twirling his hair like <laughs> <laughs> anyway i do love that moment I can't think of everything that goes on in their conversation and when they actually go talk to each other, but yeah, it's a lot less suggestive sounding than, um, than in the original than the other pilot, but it's still kind of like this, like vaguely kind of flirty kind of conversation where he's just like, yeah. you know, um, I, I don't suppose you'll serve time for this, but let's avoid the court case or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. And then, and then John's just like, I didn't do it. And then, <laughs> but then he's just like, yeah, you did. And then, 
they're just like yeah maybe i did yeah <laughs> I shoot this guy <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah then the conversation happens and then it's like mm, you want to have dinner yeah i'm starving, starving. so Whoa. like just that full full circle we don't really get the full explicit like food is sex metaphor in in this episode we kind of get it more so in a scandal in belgravia but you know going but, by but what's this- in the inner pilot we can assume yeah. you know since sherlock didn't eat he doesn't eat. plus you know and now he's got to eat so everything is sex except sex so True. It's like, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think they like have sex by eating. Yeah. <laughs> I think they just have like their language. This is how they tell their stories. And I think that, of course, they are going to use that because um, I think that they, as writers, they tend to go back to the same uh, techniques in storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> so it's telling, yeah. But so they're, they're really laying the groundwork. And then we get the whole, the goofy conversation. And I love it with Mummy and Mycroft <laughs> and the reveal that who he is to the audience. And then we get them walking away. And then we get Mycroft and beautifully Mark Gatiss at the same time looking at them walking away. And, and it's like a, it's an obvious moment because he says like Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. So it's like, like the changing this, it's a pointed, it's a pointed look to the audience. Like we're playing with the fourth wall here while not actually we're poking at it, but we're not knocking it down completely, but they're playing with that idea early on. Yes, and saying, saying like, yeah, oh, we're changing the status of Sherlock Holmes. We've got to upgrade their surveillance status. Sorry, whose status? And then he says, um, Sherlock, Holmes Sherlock Holmes and John Doctor. Watson. And he looks straight at the camera. It's so hammy, but yes. <laughs> very obvious. Yes, it's so good. He didn't have to say that, but no, but he did. So we got to, we got to monitor them. We got to monitor them or something along those lines. But I like mm. the upgrade their status. So mm, clever yeah. wordplay, but also plausible deniability. I love it so much. Yeah. Also, yeah, the relationship status. <laughs> yeah. Or status. Oh. status. <laughs> so this was fun. This was like over two hours. I think this is our. A record for us. <laughs> yeah, we thought this was going to be shorter. No. <laughs> well, I didn't. I don't think I thought this would be too much shorter, but I didn't but think it was gonna be longer. <laughs> I yeah yeah yeah. I, th- I think I figured it would be about the same, but I do think that the next episode will probably be shorter because we're going to cover the blind ba- banker. Yeah, and I that that th- episode's not much more. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about kind of follow up on what we talked about here with elaborate more with um, Sherlock, where he's at with um, John post mm-hmm. this episode when Sarah comes into the picture. Oh, yeah, really absolutely. Dive into that um, as well as I think there's some stuff on the blogs as well that are really important. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That are really oh, important to-, to the context of like what their emotional sort of states are in this story we'll have to we'll have to do that so this will and that will give us um a good hour and a half probably because Mm -hmm. on its own the blind maker is kind of yeah yeah it's okay like the it's like the worst episode (laughs) it's the worst one it's not it's not useless completely but it's not the the out of all of the episodes it's the worst yeah yeah i'm curious to see though how 
the series five could maybe even call back to it or if it'll just ignore it altogether <laughs> but i but okay. i think it, it but if they do find a way to make something in that episode feel a little bit less useless that would be interesting to see that, yeah that'd be great yeah but so anyway <laughs> thank you for listening and we're gonna cover blind baker and we'll try to make it the as interesting as more interesting than maybe the episode otherwise have been (laughs) and uh yeah and then we'll cover the great game which i'm probably a little bit more excited for but we'll cover the blogs we'll make it fun all right thank you for listening everyone we will see you next time